From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Good afternoon. Hope you had a fantastic weekend. Welcome to another day and another week of Washington Watch. I'm Jody Heiss, a senior vice president here of the Family Research Council. An honor to be sitting in for Tony. And let me just encourage you to continue praying for Tony and his family as his dad recently went through some very serious surgery. He's doing well, but uh, they, I know, would appreciate all the prayers. Let me give you the highlights of what we'll be discussing on this Monday edition of Washington Watch. Reports from the weekend reveal a very disturbing series of information regarding the DOJ's sweetheart deal with Hunter Biden, as well as our two-tiered system of justice. Well, I'll be speaking about it with Michigan Congressman Tim Wahlberg here in just a moment. And while President Biden paints a rosy picture of Bidenomics in the economy, the truth is 58% of Americans disapprove of his economic policies. I'm a little confused by the whole Bidenomics thing because you're trying to convince people of something. You're trying to convince them their own impressions about the economy are wrong. And so if you look, for example, at how Hispanic and black voters feel about the economy, they'll tell you it stinks. Now, they can keep saying, but we have the CHIPS Act, but we have the IRA. At the end of the day, you can't convince someone that they're feeling, how they're feeling about the economy is wrong. Well, that was Hoover Institute's fellow Lonnie Chen yesterday during a panel discussion on NBC's Meet the Press. So who's right here? Is Bidenomics steering us toward a recession? Economist Stephen Moore will be joining me shortly to discuss that and some other questions. And speaking of a disconnect between the president and the people, President Biden finally took a break from his Lake Tahoe vacation to make way to the disaster area, area in Maui. In fact, he's scheduled to arrive there just any minute. Uh, but amid the glacial federal response and many unanswered questions from local authorities, Samaritan's Purse is on the ground in Maui. In fact, they have been on the ground doing what they do best. Well, I'll get a live update from them in Maui a little bit later in the program. And the Biden administration's obsession with abortion on demand through all nine months of pregnancy has led to their efforts to sneak abortion policies into laws and programs that were not intended to have that type of policies within them. Roger Severino, who served with the Department of Health and Human Services during the Trump administration, will join me to explain what the Biden administration is trying to do and how we can respond to it all. So we've got an exciting program lined up for you, a packed one as always. And let me just remind you, our website is TonyPerkins.com. If you happen to miss any portion of this show or you want to see some archives, you can certainly go there, and at, once you go, you will discover there's tons of resources there available for you as well. All right, let's jump into the program this evening. Multiple legacy media outlets are reporting on more than 300 pages of emails and documents that were exchanged between the Department of Justice and Hunter Biden's legal team. And as you parse through all the coverage and all the details, there seem to be two major details that emerge. First of all, it's extremely unlikely that Hunter Biden would have faced any charges at all were it not for the recent testimony from two IRS whistleblowers. Secondly, Hunter Biden's attorneys threatened to call President Biden to the stand as a witness for the defense. 
And this is the president who pledged to restore norms to the White House. Well, joining me now to discuss this and more is Congressman Tim Wahlberg. He serves on the House Committee on Energy and Commerce, as well as the Committee on Education and Workforce. He serves and represents the 5th Congressional District of Michigan. Congressman Wahlberg, welcome back to Washington Watch. Great to see you, my friend. Jody, good to be with you as always, and thanks for, for hosting this interesting program. Well, it's always great, and, you know, we love to bring people who are on the tip of the spear, such as yourself, to keep us all up to speed as to what's going on. So let's let's get into this. The revelations on Hunter Biden's prosecution, or lack thereof, whatever it's going to be, it appears as though, uh, were it not for the public testimony of a couple of IRS whistleblowers, very likely his whole prosecution would be ignored. The tax delinquency, the illegal gun purchase, all this sort of stuff would probably have just been swept under the rug. What's your take on it all? Well, absolutely. And you saw the plea deal that was almost accepted until a judge actually looked at what was being said there and said, oops, uh, I don't understand why some of these provisions are there, including that this is the worst you'll ever be given if we accept this plea deal. Uh, so they caught it. But this goes back um, when you were still in Congress, when campaigns were going on for the presidency, when uh, President Biden was not president, and there was no reason why any would say you shouldn't carry out the law because it might impact a presidency of, of a sitting president. That's used so much right now. But the vice president wasn't. We know that there was information that could have altered the election, uh, definitely. And it might have altered it in the right way, as opposed to all of the stuff that went on about Trump, uh, the the um, illegitimate information that was given out, uh, the uh, impact of, of the legal entities, especially Department of Justice, uh, and what they were willing to do to hide any of the wrongdoing that was going on with Hunter and ultimately concerns that those wrongdoings also impacted uh, the former vice president of the United States, the candidate for presidency, and now to this very day, the president of the United States, who seems to be above the law as we look further at the de details that are coming out. Thankfully, people like uh, Jamie Comer and uh, Jim Jordan, chair of two very appropriate and necessary committees, judiciary and and, ho and uh, oversight. Uh, you and I both served on oversight at one time, and it's doing its job and ultimately got whistleblowers who were fed up with what was going on with a department that's important to the credibility, the legality, and the continuance of our country being caught in doing things that would go outside of the law. Yeah, it really is so disturbing as you watch all this. Um, it, it just... It, really unbelievable to think that we are seeing such a, the rule of law being turned upside down. And, you know, I just wonder if U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland is ever going to be able to restore confidence to the American people. Um, let me switch topics with you somewhat. The, the border remains an absolute crisis under President Biden and Homeland Security uh, Secretary Mayorkas as well. It's just uh, Horrible what's happening there. Illegal border crossings rose 33% last month. And, you know, we continue to watch all these so-called sanctuary cities 
uh, and their mayors complain about the pain that they're feeling as all these migrants are coming into their cities. Uh, give me your thoughts as to what's happening on the, the border and the, the mayors that are complaining about it. And where do we go from here? It, it's a border that's wide open. And again, we're talking about, uh, I believe, with full intent uh, to allow um, these illegal immigrants uh, who legally could be called trespassers who have invaded this country, some with all the right reasons. Why wouldn't you want to come to America with the history that's behind America? But you've got to come legally or it's a nation without laws. Um, I just talked with a friend of mine who came back from Turkey and a visit over there and talking with some of the rank and file citizens, they were very, very frustrated with Erdogan's involvement in allowing anyone and everyone to come in the country because Erdogan understands that more that he lets in, the more will vote for him to keep him as a dictator. The same is taking place here in the United States. It may backfire on them. I hope it does. But in the meantime, we are overrun in our cities, in our communities. Every state is a border state, including Michigan, and not only because of our northern border, where we have people coming in illegally, but because everyone who comes from the South has been shipped out all over the United States into Michigan as well. And what is that doing for our country? But establishing the fact that the very first thing you realize when you come to the United States is that the law isn't made for everybody, only those that we'll use it on. The rest of you are free to come. And now we find out that the Biden administration has been quietly selling the remaining sections of the border wall that were paid for and expected by the taxpayer to be put up. And under Trump's administration, much of it was, but that those pieces of the structure that weren't put up are now being auctioned off for pennies on a dollar. Why? To make sure that it is not put up and that the Senate and the House in talking through legislation to continue building the wall uh, has nothing to build with. That's discouraging. It's frustrating. And having been down the border twice this year, during the Biden administration and several times during the Trump administration, it's a total different ball game down there right now. It is wide open. And our, our law enforcement entities are frustrated. Our communities are frustrated. But more importantly, it's impacting the freedom, opportunity, and security of, of America. You know, I just late last week met with a uh, rural Georgia sheriff. And before I left, he said, Jody, come back here. I want to show you something. He took me in the back room. Grocery bags, plural, filled with fentanyl and drugs and, and little uh, plastic packets, each of them. But they were filled. And he's, all of it's coming from the southern border. You're right when you say every state, every community is a border state right now. Let me switch gears uh, one more time on you. Re recently, a couple of weeks ago, I had a discussion about civil asset forfeiture and how many innocent American citizens and business owners are being subjected to loss of property and even uh, all their money being seized without even committing a crime. You have reintroduced legislation. We talked about you on that program. Tell us what you've done to help uh, bring uh, the, the reins in on this out of control aspect of our, our government. Well, I appreciate that. And I saw your interview with uh, Dan Albin, and he expressed it very clearly, the concern. We aren't going against law enforcement. We're supporting law enforcement. But we're going against something that is insidious in that we would encourage law enforcement for the benefit of dollars 
and we need to fund the police. We need to provide more funding for the police uh, to do what they need to do. But to give any indication that law enforcement is tackling innocent citizens and using civil asset forfeiture to take their resources, whether it be bank resources or their property for sale or for or their cars, knowing that these many of these people don't have the resources to hire an, an attorney to get their due process rights carried out. Because under civil asset forfeiture, uh, there is really no due process. You are guilty until proven innocent. And that's the problem. So what we're saying is that at the federal level, when you have uh, asset forfeiture that can be shared, shared asset forfeiture, by the feds getting the local authorities, county, state, uh, municipal law enforcement entities to go in with them, and then under the promise of receiving 80% to 100% of the resources that come from uh, um, forfeit, uh, forfeiture properties, uh, that can be a tremendously uh, drawing piece of information for law Tim, enforcement. Tim, we've got about 20 seconds. That needs dollars. So what we're saying is, let's give due process, carry it out as normal. Let's make sure that none of those dollars go to the law enforcement. Let's pay them the right way. Let's make sure that we don't give people the opinion that law enforcement is working against them for profit for their own. Congressman Tim Wahlberg, thank you so much for joining us, fellow pastor, great leader in Congress. It's an honor to have you on Washington Watch. Thank you so much. All right, friends, coming up next on Washington Watch, economist Stephen Moore joins me to answer the question, is more painful economic future ahead for America? Stay tuned. Today, more than ever, men need a reminder of what biblical manhood looks like and to understand God's good design for them, to serve as provider, instructor, battle buddy, defender, and chaplain. They need a battle plan to truly live out their role. Family Research Council's Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin and Dr. Keenan Kirtan's book, Strong and Courageous, a sequel to Man to Man, offers this battle plan so that men can pursue their God-given responsibility in a culture quickly turning away from God's design. The authors unpack the Old Testament book of Joshua as the focus of their study, asking readers to look to his leadership to help consider and apply the key principles of biblical manhood. It's time for men to accept their role in the family and community and truly embrace their God-given purpose. To order your copy of Strong and Courageous, A Call to Biblical Manhood, go to frc.org slash strongandcourageous. Again, that's frc.org slash strongandcourageous. Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clawson, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be disciples their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. 
Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroicfaith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroicfaith. And welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Jody Heiss, filling in for Tony. Thank you so much for entrusting this time with us. It's our honor to keep you abreast of what's happening in our country and to do so from a Christian worldview perspective. All right, we want to talk economic issues. The Biden administration continues to push Bidenomics as though it's a glowing success story. But that sunny outlook, frankly, is not resonating with working families across the country and with good reason. In fact, according to polls last week, 58% of Americans disapprove of the president's handling of the economy. Well, and there's no uh, reason why that would be any other way. The average American family is now spending over $700 more every single month just to break even as far as dollars spent for the value of those dollars compared to last year. And people are wondering, are we on the verge of more inflation? Are we on the verge of a recession? Will the economy get worse before it gets better? What should American households be doing right now to prepare for that? Well, joining me now to discuss this and more is Stephen Moore. He's a distinguished fellow in economics at the Heritage Foundation and a senior economist at FreedomWorks. Stephen, great to see you again. Hope you're doing well. Welcome to Washington Watch. Thank you very much. Great to be with you. Well, listen, let's uh, let's jump into all this economic stuff. The president is trying with everything he has to paint a rosy picture of Bidenomics, but working families aren't buying it, and for good reason. Your thoughts? Well, I think you did a pretty good job summarizing the situation for most families. Uh, very well done. You know, you've got inflation that's run at 16 percent since Biden came into presidency, and and meanwhile, wages and salaries are up 13 percent. So that isn't a tough uh, math calculation, right? That means that every month that goes by virtually, uh, Biden has made American families poor. And we estimate at the Heritage Foundation that that's by about $5,000 and lost real purchasing power by median income families. And incidentally, that's like a tax. Have you noticed Biden keeps saying, I haven't raised taxes on the middle class? But of course, he has. Because when you're losing, inflation is a tax. Uh, the other thing I would say is look at gas prices. I filled up in Virginia uh, just this weekend. I paid four twenty nine a gallon. That's a huge, huge, uh, you know, tax on American families. Well, it really is. And uh, Stephen, I tell you, you, you're 
your knowledge of this never ceases to astound me. I remember many, many meetings with you in the Conservative Opportunity Society and other places, and I mean, you're just spellbounding with your knowledge and your capacity to bring this down to understandable terms. But what you're just saying, I mean, the, the American, average American family is spending hundreds and hundreds, 700 plus more a month for uh, goods and services. And yeah. as you describe it, that's like a tax. But how long is this sustainable? I mean, at what point does this uh, crash the economy or lead us into recession or whatever the next step would be? How sustainable is this pathway? Well, I never bet against the American economy because we have an incredibly resilient, you know, um, economy. We have incredible businessmen. We have great leaders of uh, American small businesses. Are so, you know, I'm praying at night that we don't go into recession. I, I, I want America to do as well as it can, but I have a hard time, don't you? looking at a single policy that Biden has put in place that helps our economy. Now, let's not forget, when Joe Biden came into office, the economy was ready to boom. Remember, COVID was over. The last six months of the Trump administration, the, all of these re-businesses re were reopening. People were going back to work. So we shouldn't be talking about a recession now. We should be talking about an economic boom for American families. And it just hasn't happened because just as one example, in fact, I just talked to President Trump about this uh, the other night. You know, when Trump left office, we were completely energy independent. We were actually exporting oil and gas. Now we have to depend on the Saudis. We have to depend on OPEC. We have to depend on Russia to get our energy. I mean, is that crazy? It's totally crazy. Hey, you know, and I, one of those policies that you refer to, uh, that's a horrible policy is the Inflation Reduction Act, which is just over a year old now. It's done anything but reduce inflation. In fact, it's not even about reducing inflation. It's all about green energy, as you mentioned that, which is just the opposite of real energy independence. It's just the whole thing. So uh, how, how, how do we... Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. You, you called it the Inflation Reduction Act. We should not use their terminology. That bill is really the Inflation Acceleration Act. It has made the economy better. <laughs> and you are 100% correct, sir, that the uh, this wasn't about reducing inflation. It wasn't about benefiting the American economy. It was about the left's obsession with this climate change stuff. And by the way, because thanks to the fires in Hawaii, thanks to the fires in Canada and California, they've erased any of the gains that they've made in terms of carbon. Do you know how much carbon has been emitted in the atmosphere because of the California and the Canada wildfires? Why don't they do something about that? Maybe better forest management rather than force us to give up our cars, our stoves, our uh, gas stoves, our uh, air conditioners. I mean, these people are pretty crazy in what they want to do to the American family. Great point. Great point with the uh, emissions coming from all these. Well, you know, the president brags about low employment, low unemployment, uh, but there's yeah. so many industries out there that have open positions they just can't fill. Where's the disconnect? I think that Americans fundamentally are nervous about what's happening. Look, Joe Biden has added over $6 trillion to the debt in just two and a half years in office. Can you believe that? $6 trillion in debt. And the longer-term forecast is for another $10 trillion in debt. Now, look, I work for Donald Trump. I think he did great things for the economy, but even he didn't cut spending enough. But we have a spending problem in Washington. We have a debt problem. We're not gonna, we can't leave our children and grandchildren a $50 trillion debt. Did you know we're on the course for $50 trillion? Unbelievable. 
Stephen, we've got about uh, 30 seconds left. What, what advice do you give to the American people right now, American households? What should they do to prepare? Out of the White House immediately, and let's get a real president, whether it's John, Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis or a Republican who wants to rebuild American businesses, do the, what's best for the American uh, country, uh, and everything Biden has done has been negative. That man has to be evicted White House in November of 2024. Thank you, Stephen Moore from the Heritage Foundation Freedom Works. I tell you, you are a genius with this. You break it down in understandable terms. Deeply, deeply grateful for you taking time out of your schedule to be with us this evening on Washington Watch. Thank you. Right, right. You, my friend, anytime. I love the work you guys do at FRC. Thank you so much. All right, friends, coming up as we continue the program, heartbreaking scenes continue coming out of Maui. Stay tuned. We'll cover it right after this break. Men are constantly told that there is no place for their thoughts and concerns about abortion. However, this attitude ignores the fact that both women and men are deeply and personally affected by abortion. Furthermore, one does not have to be a woman to know that abortion ends the life of an innocent, unborn child. Every man has a role to play in protecting unborn lives and supporting the mothers in their families and greater community which is why FRC's Center for Human Dignity has released a resource titled A Man's Guide to Standing for Life. This resource was created to help men positively address the topic of life. This guide will equip men with phrases to utilize or avoid, as well as practical tips for helping to protect life and the expectant mother or unborn child he knows. Every man has the opportunity to be an unborn baby's hero by stepping in to support a mother and speaking up for her child's life. Get this free guide at frc.org slash men to learn more about the important role men play in protecting unborn lives. Have you seen the Now We Live series? It is a six-week worldview Bible study created in partnership with Family Research Council and Summit Ministries. This video series was put together to help Christians propel faith into action. It offers six free videos to prompt rich discussions about some of life's most foundational questions among churches, small groups, and families. Each video is led by well-known Christian voices and addresses questions regarding worldview, Jesus, truth, identity, and society. It's so important for Christians to both know the truth and to live in a way that is compatible with the truth. Being grounded in what is true and living out God's grace allows a believer's faith to truly transform one's own life and ultimately help transform a broken world. Equip yourself and other Christians to learn more about what it means to truly hold a biblical worldview. Access this important series by going to frc.org slash worldview. Again, go to frc.org slash worldview. Welcome back to Washington Watch. Thank you for joining us. I'm your host, Jody Heiss, filling in for Tony. All right, as local, state, and federal officials are still trying to assess the human death toll as well as the utter destruction of the wildfires in Hawaii. Uh, this is, in fact, the deadliest U.S. fire in more than a century. But President Biden has finally arrived uh, there in Hawaii to see firsthand the devastation that the fires have left behind. But all the while, our great friends at Samaritan's Purse have been on the ground. They've been busy ministering to people, busy working through the devastation of the fires, and have just, as they always do, been doing a fantastic job. We're here to share more about their efforts is Tony Williamson, 
who is a program manager for Samaritan's Purse U.S. Disaster Relief, and he is live on the ground there in Maui. Tony, welcome to Washington Watch. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much. Well, uh, give us the latest. What's uh, Samaritan's Purse has uh, been there? What have you been seeing? And how's the current situation there in Maui? Yeah, so Samaritan's Purse is an uh, evangelical Christian uh, relief organization, and we respond to natural disasters all over the world. And uh, here in Maui, what we're seeing are people who are hurting. Uh, we're seeing lives that have been completely devastated by the fires that have happened, and uh, countless lives are lost. We know that uh, cur currently the report is 114 that have, uh, have died, and over 800 are still missing. And so uh, we're seeing people who, who are in need of that spiritual, emotional care uh, to know that there's still hope. And so that's what we're here to do. We want to share the hope that we find in Jesus. What kind of help and support have you been receiving from local, state, or federal governments uh, with the relief efforts? Have they been partnering with you? Have you been able to work together? Or have you all been pretty much on your own through all this so far? Yeah, so uh, Samaritan's Purse has responded to a lot of different disasters, and um, everyone is unique. And so here on the ground, uh, we're partnering with local churches, as we often uh, normally do. And so uh, we've really had a great response, a great turnout from the local church, who, uh, quite honestly, when we touched down here, uh, they were out already serving their community, serving food and loving on people, making sure they had everything that they need. Uh, even many had multiple families staying in their homes. And so we've seen a huge response from the local church. And, uh, and we're working with uh, local officials to make sure that we're meeting all of the needs of the homeowners uh, here in Maui. That's tremendous. Can you share, Tony, any stories? I know many of our viewers and listeners have been fervently praying for the people of Maui and for Samaritan's Purse as y'all have been on the ground. Can you share some stories of encouragement or of need that our viewers and listeners should hear right now? Absolutely. Yeah, so uh, as we respond to disasters, uh, we see that, especially with fires, uh, it seems like a hopeless situation because uh, when there's a tornado or a hurricane, oftentimes there's uh, some part of a home to come back to and and things to recover and, uh, and and there's that process but for a lot of these homeowners they've lost everything and uh, the home seems seems like there's nothing they could recover everything's been reduced to ash uh, but what we found is that there are things that can be recovered and so we're we're helping to restore hope to homeowners uh, we actually helped uh, a, a woman a couple days ago uh, at her home, and she was looking for some pieces of jewelry that had been passed down in her family and some other items. And we came across a, uh, a, a ceramic pot. And this was something that she made when she was in junior high. And in that same spot, we started finding other items that had been passed down or were from family members. And to see the change in her countenance, to see how she began to look hopeful and, and to find that closure after such an event, and our team spent time with her, praying with her, sharing the gospel with her. And uh, this, this is it, an incredible time of ministry where we can see hope restored in what seems like a hopeless situation. Well, it's an emotional story just to hear as you're, you're talking about. And Tony, while you and Samaritan Purse volunteers are 
praying with individuals? How can we here be praying for you? Uh, and how, how can our folks help? Absolutely. So prayer is a huge part. Uh, and I would say even the most important part of a Christian's life. And, uh, and that is the greatest way you can support the efforts that are going on here. Uh, pray for the homeowners, those who have gone through uh, this disaster. Pray for the people of Maui who, if they weren't uh, in the fire, they have family, they have uh, people that they are concerned about. And then pray for the local church and for organizations like Samaritan's Purse who are bringing the gospel and bringing hope uh, in this hopeless situation, that God would help us to, uh, to, to serve them well and to represent Christ well. And the best way to know about everything that's happening with Samaritan's Purse is to go to our website, samaritanspurse.org, and you can find many other ways that you can pray and support our ministry. Tony, we've got about 30 seconds here before I need to let you go, but uh, any idea how long you will be there, how long Samaritan's Purse will have a presence there helping? Yeah, the recovery process is, uh, is a long one. Currently, they are in the search and rescue phase where they're, um, they're combing through the ashes. Uh, but uh, as time goes on, we're going to be able to help to uh, sift through belongings and to uh, assist homeowners with that cleanup process. But we're, we're committed here uh, for as long as there's a need, and we're, we're being requested uh, for help with those things. And then we have committed to, to help with the rebuilding process as well. And so we're working out the details of that. And so Samaritan's Purse will be here for a long time. Thank you so much for joining us live from Maui. And God bless you for all you do. All right, friends, after the break, the Biden administration's obsession with promoting abortion has led to their efforts to use the back door to push abortion into pro-life laws. Stay tuned. Are you prepared to pray, vote, and stand for biblical truth? It is imperative that Christians pray for their community and culture to steward their role as a citizen by voting and to stand for biblical truth. This means that Christians must be intentional about seeking after the Lord in all things. You can join Family Research Council and FRC Action President Tony Perkins in this mission as he hosts the Pray, Vote, Stand broadcast to inspire brothers and sisters in Christ to turn their attention to the Lord first and in every compartment of their lives. Tony is joined by experts, elected leaders, and Christian leaders for this weekly half-hour program to help you see through the fog created by the biased mainstream media. Watch the Pray, Vote, Stand weekly broadcasts and commit to pray for our nation, to stand for truth, and to seek the Lord first. Just go to prayvotestand.org. Again, that's prayvotestand.org. Tech censorship is on the rise. Big tech companies are attempting to cancel conservatives and Christians, which is why here at Family Research Council, we've decided to be proactive so that big tech cannot silence us completely. FRC has a text subscription platform to be sure we can continue to keep you in the loop. That way, you can still find updates on faith, family, and freedom. You can get FRC's content straight to your phone. Just sign up for our text alerts by texting STAND to 67742. Again, you simply text STAND 
and to 67742, and FRC will send you special alerts on the issues that matter to you. By subscribing, you'll also be one of the first to know about our upcoming events and programs. All of this info is yours with just a simple text. You'll have access to content that will help you continue to stand for faith, family, and freedom, and you'll know about opportunities to connect with like-minded community. Just text STAND to 67742 and be the most informed person you know. Finding a quality news source today in this media-saturated world can be incredibly difficult. It is important to stay informed on what is going on in the world, but you need a news source you can trust. That is why Family Research Council created The Washington Stand, an online news platform with a mission to provide readers with free, factual news stories and commentaries all from a biblical worldview. Based in Washington, D.C., our reporters provide reliable information on the most crucial issues of the day ranging from breaking news on the hottest Supreme Court decisions to details on the latest public education stories, updates to domestic and international religious liberty cases, and more. We want you and your family to stay informed on what is happening in the world that affects faith, family, and freedom. Be encouraged, be in the know, and stand firm in truth by visiting WashingtonStand.com today. That's WashingtonStand.com. FRC, celebrating 40 years with Congressman Dan Bishop. You guys are more important in my daily life in D.C. than you can possibly imagine. I appreciate what you do for all Americans who are of faith and who want to see their faith consistent with and, and respected by government in Washington. We have an important task. It's not always easy. Uh, but every day that you're there doing what you do makes it more makes it easier and more possible for me to do what I do. Thank you. Deeply appreciate those comments by Representative Dan Bishop from North Carolina. Great, great leader in so many ways. It's been an honor to serve with him. And as he is talking about FRC and the 40-year anniversary, I want to yet again remind you that you have an opportunity to join with us, not only not only in celebrating 40 years, but of standing together for faith, family, and freedom. Coming up next month, September 15th through 17th in Washington, D.C., this year's Pray, Vote, Stand Summit. It's less than a month away, and you have the opportunity to be a part of what is going to be a historic event, and we want to encourage you to come. You can uh, find out more about it, and you can register online. Registration is open. Simply go to prayvotestand.org for more details and to register. Prayvotestand.org. All right, before we move into our last uh, topic for the day, I want to bring you up to speed on some more news that obviously has been making headlines over the weekend. Uh, but it's been going on for a long, long time. We touched on it just a little bit with Congressman Wahlberg earlier. But I want to go just a, a little bit more, see what else is going on. And that has to do with the Hunter Biden, uh, the, the whole issue surrounding him and the potential prosecution, uh, that type of thing. There's so much that is happening behind the scenes here. Uh, there's obstruction that so many in the Republican Party, uh, Congressman Comer, for example, they're, they're just not getting the information. 
Well, I wanted to bring in Joshua Arnold. He's one of the staff writers at the Washington Stand. He's been keeping a pulse on this and a whole host of other issues. Just to give us the, the latest as to what's going on, Joshua, thank you for joining us on Washington Watch, and thanks for the incredible work you do over on the stand side. Hi, Judy. Well, uh, give us the uh, the latest on, on what's going on in the House GOP and the investigation into the Hunter Biden business dealings. Right. As you mentioned, the news that came out over the weekend, uh, multiple mainstream outlets like the New York Times um, were reporting um, that, among other things, likely no charges would have been filed against Hunter Biden if the IRS, IRS whistleblowers had not come forward. Um, this came out as the result of about 200 pages of confidential information they reviewed. They, they didn't say who their sources were, um, but in emails going back and forth between Hunter Biden's legal team and the um, district attorney um, for Delaware, the federal district attorney there. Um, and this comes after the plea deal uh, blew up and Hunter Biden's lawyers are now concerned that he could face um, liabilities for some of the other um, criminal things that there's there's evidence to support. And it seems like the DOJ has had evidence of these crimes for a while, but has just been sitting on them. And so other um, commentators, um, such as a, a, uh, a former U.S. District Attorney for the District of New York, um, he was writing about how um, it seems like David Weiss, who was the um, special, the U.S. Attorney General for Delaware and is, has now been appointed as special counsel, um, that he's just sitting on the evidence until the statute of limitations passes um, so that the charges can no longer be brought against Hunter Biden. Um, the statute of limitations for a lot of federal crimes are five or six years, and a lot of the offenses they're looking into were about six years ago. And so as the weeks go by, um, the statute of limitations on all of these different uh, facts that they could bring up um, is is slowly ticking away. And that's kind of his game plan, he said, David Weiss, um, is just to um, obliterate all of this uh, evidence of wrongdoing in just a stalling tactic. So the way that it should work is the U.S. Attorney General should be trying to enforce the law and the defense attorney should be trying to work in, in favor of their client. But um, this, this commentator said that actually it's like Hunter Biden has two teams of defense attorneys. One working for the U.S. government is really actually working in Hunter Biden's favor, and then obviously those who are working directly um, for him. Um, and just a, a grave miscarriage of justice. Wow. Well, Joshua, thank you for coming on and giving us the latest on that. That's uh, a perspective that most people are not hearing, and a reality that most are not hearing. Joshua Arnold, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for the incredible work that you do on the Washington stand. Thanks, Judy. All right, friends, as we often discuss on this program, and I'm sure you know, the Biden administration takes every cue that it does from the left, and it exerts, it seems like laser-like focus on things like pushing abortion until birth, uh, environmental fanaticism, uh, the LGBT agenda. Those type of things are laser-focused items for this administration. And since the Dobbs decision in 2022, the administration has sought every backdoor and end-around game possible to try to push abortion into law. In fact, last week, the Biden administration announced that it plans to add an abortion mandate 
to the Pregnant Workers Fairness Act, which was explicitly a pro-life law designed to help pregnant mothers. But now the Biden administration wants to use it to require employers to facilitate access to abortion. It's just another example of the Department of Health and Human Services uh, going against, uh, really against the rule of law. That's not what this law is all about in this administration as well. They're trying to use HIPAA, just a host of things to go around Congress to push abortion. Joining me now to discuss this is Roger Severino. He's the vice president of domestic policy at the Heritage Foundation, previously served as the director of the HHS Office of Civil Rights in the Trump administration. Roger, welcome back to Washington Watch. We appreciate you joining us this evening. Thanks for having me. Well, it's our pleasure in every way. All right. So, you know, I guess it shouldn't be a surprise to any of us that the Biden administration is attempting to get around both Congress and the U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, But, uh, you know, that realization that we shouldn't expect less, I guess, this is just a brazen attempt from this administration to force abortion even within a pro-life piece of legislation. Yeah, it's it's not surprising in one sense, but their creativity apparently knows no bounds when it comes to pushing abortion on the American people. As you mentioned, the Pregnant Workers Fairness Act, this was a bill designed to protect pregnant workers. What is the opposite of pregnancy? Abortion. Yet this administration, through EOC proposed regulations, is saying that abortion is going to be a protected, enshrined right, that workers will have a right to an accommodation, even in pro-life states. And they're going to use a supremacy clause argument saying that the federal law is going to push aside all the pro-life state laws that prohibit cooperation and assisting in abortion. So employers around the country are going to be forced to assist in abortions in violation of state law if the Biden administration gets its way in flipping what uh, uh, protection should have been for pregnant women on its head. Yeah, it's just unbelievable how they try to go around every law, every, I mean, court decisions, the Supreme Court now, to push abortion on demand. And this was a bipartisan bill. I mean, even one of the uh, sponsors, uh, Bob Casey, Congressman Casey, he even said, a Democrat, that this had nothing to do with abortion. Aren't I right with that? That's right. He, he swore up and down that, no, this would not require employers to pay for the abortion travel or abortion leave of their employees. Well, the Biden administration is ignoring that and saying, we don't care. Abortion, whenever the word pregnancy appears, they mean abortion, which, of course, violates common sense. But they've done this time and again. A, a lot of laws protect pregnant women. Right, sex discrimination laws in various forms, when they mention pregnancy, rightly so. But the Biden administration is taking something that is meant to protect life, the giving of life, pregnancy, pregnancy, pregnant women, to make it easier for them to bring their child to see the light of day and flipping it and saying, no, we're going to make it easier for them to extinguish that life, regardless of what happened with the Dobbs decision, regardless of what states are doing to protect unborn life. And we're going to recruit employers as part of this machinery of death. It is it is a travesty that the Biden administration is doing this, but as you said earlier, it's not a surprise. They're not answering to the Constitution. They're not answering to the laws. They're answering to the extreme pro-abortion left, but that's where we are today. Yeah, and that uh, seems that's where they get every one of their marching orders from. So I want to make sure that I'm hearing you right. Under the, the proposed changes that they're trying to push, 
there would be no exceptions in pro-life states or for uh, employers' conscience rights or any of that. All of that would be erased. Is that what you're saying? Correct. Now, on the religious freedom arguments, there, of course, will be arguments raised, and we're hopeful that the Supreme Court will say, if you have religious objections to assisting with an employee's abortion, that they would be able to get protection. But the Biden administration doesn't care, right? They, they actually do not ever specify that there would be sufficient protections for uh, businesses and business owners of faith that don't want to participate. Now, if whatever people think about the legality of abortion, the morality of abortion, a strong American consensus for decades has held, you don't force people to participate in abortions against their will. You don't make them pay for it. You don't make them subsidize travel, leave. Your taxes don't go for it, the Hyde Amendment. But the Biden administration has declared war on all these conscience protections. They want everybody to participate in the taking of unborn life and abortion one way or another. And you mentioned earlier even HIPAA. So I was a nation's HIPAA regulator under the Trump administration. And HIPAA, of course, protects privacy of medical records and hospitals, et cetera. The Biden administration is proposing to turn HIPAA on its head as well. It wants to make sure that doctors and nurses cannot cooperate with law enforcement in pro-life states when they have suspicions related to criminal violations of abortion laws. And they will say it is a, a criminal violation of HIPAA if you assist law enforcement in pro-life states. Again, they want to get everybody involved, either passively or actively, in furthering the machinery of abortion. That's how extreme this administration is. Yeah, th that is massively extreme, what you're talking about there. Surely, I mean, there will be lawsuits all over the place with this type of thing, I'm sure. But the fact that they are trying to uh, take an end around and to push this against Congress, against the Supreme Court, uh, is, is just stunning. Now, all of this, we're in the period, if I, if I understand this, of, of, of public comment. There's a co public comment phase in all of this. Uh, so speak to our viewers and listeners as to how they can get involved, perhaps, to, to make a difference right now. Yes, this is crucial. So with the HIPAA regulation, that time period for you to submit public comments is closed. The EEOC one, however, you could go on regulations.gov and search for the EEOC rule. Go on the Heritage Foundation websites. We'll also have portals on that. And you submit a comment objecting to the participation in the taking of unborn life by employers. Right? This is contrary to Dobbs. This is massive resistance that we haven't seen since the civil rights era when certain recalcitrant states were resisting the integration of Americans in life based on uh, based on race. Now we're seeing this based on the question of abortion. You could participate as just a regular citizen by submitting comments on regulations.gov. The government has to read it and respond to it. And if they don't, it actually opens them up to lawsuits. We saw this happen with the, the abortion pill. Recently, a Fifth Circuit decision upheld Judge Kaczmarek, a, a hero judge in Texas, who said that the abortion pill that was relaxed in terms of the safety protocols by this administration, uh, that relaxation was unlawful. And the Fifth Circuit upheld Judge Kaczmarek's decision. Again, this administration is playing fast and loose, trying to make the abortion pill something like an over-the-counter vitamin. It is not. It is designed to end a child's life. It is dangerous to women, not to mention an unborn child. And the courts are now pushing back and saying, look, this abortion extremism is now endangering women's lives. You're saying you're about women's health. You're, you're endangering women's lives by pushing uh, do-it-yourself at-home abortions left and right without proper safety protocols. 
So those safety protocols are very likely going to be restored, and the Supreme Court is ultimately going to have to push back and say, our decision has to be respected in Dobbs. Roe v. Wade is not the law in the land of the land. It never actually was because it's not in the Constitution. The law of the land is Dobbs, that the state and federal, it's clear as well, federal governments can and should, in fact, protect unborn life, the most innocent among us. So you said the, I want to make sure the place that people can go is regulations.gov, correct? Correct. That's right. Okay. All right. Well, friends, we want to encourage all of you uh, go there. This is the time to make some comments. And real quickly, we've got about a minute or so left. Uh, you mentioned the abortion pill. Would, would any of these proposed changes provide protection to the abortion pill, or uh, is, is that a separate issue? It's a separate issue. So the FDA was the one that rammed through the abortion pill in the beginning. So the Kazmarek decision actually said that it was unlawful for a variety of reasons, one of which is pregnancy is not a disease. That's not a serious health illness. You don't treat a disease called pregnancy because pregnancy is part of life. It's natural. It's wonderful, in fact. And that's why we're all here. Uh, but the FDA treated pregnancy as some sort of disease that needed a cure, which is the abortion pill. And we're hopeful that the Supreme Court would revisit that. Additionally, the Comstock Act, which actually pro prohibits the interstate trafficking of abortion pills, is good law. Congress had a chance to, to reaffirm it in the 70s, and they left that portion of it untouched. So that is good law that the Biden administration, again, is ignoring. It is illegal today to use the mails to transmit and transport abortion drugs. The Biden administration is flatly ignoring the law. Roger Severino, we're going to have to leave it there. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for all the work you do and everyone at the Heritage Foundation. Appreciate you joining us this evening. Thank you. All right, friends, that wraps up this edition of Washington Watch. Have a fantastic evening. We'll see you tomorrow right here on Washington Watch. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.